Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking redefining wealth and overcoming money struggles with Patrice Washington. Patrice Washington is a number one best-selling author who has a, uh, a unique philosophy about money, and it not only determines how she coaches others, but it shapes how she lives her own life as well. She has been the personal finance expert on both of uh, Steve Harvey's radio and television shows since 2014, and she has appeared in dozens of media outlets like Dr. Oz, Fox & Friends. Patrice teaches folks how to handle their money in a disciplined manner while simultaneously living a uh, fulfilling life, and so she wants you to build up wealth, but she teaches you how to build it up with peace and purpose as your foundation. So we're we're excited to talk all about this and more. Patrice, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. 
Oh man, we're so excited too, Patrice. We're pumped for this conversation. And the first question we ask anybody who comes on the show, Matt and I, we like to drink a craft beer and uh, it's kind of our splurge. And so we want to know, like, do you have something similar in your life that you're willing to spend money on in the here and now while you're also being purposeful with your money for the future? I'm actually kind of hesitant to say that I am a I'm a journal junkie. Like I have oh. an absurd amount of journals, you guys. <laughs> journals, planners, I'm obsessed. And I have more planners than I will probably live to plan. <laughs> I, to have plans. I love colorful Sharpies. I'm the person who is super excited. I'm not excited when an office supply store is going out of business. But when they are putting things on those clearance <laughs> racks, you guys, I go nuts. And it's not really rational. Those deals, right? <laughs> it's not rational, but I love it. So journals and colorful Sharpies are my splurge like every it. week. It's 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 a problem. My husband's <laughs> you, disappointed. You and my wife could geek out on that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, you mentioned planners. Uh, we're, we're actually going to get to this later in the episode, but we'll talk about you and, you know, your calendaring. Uh, we'll get to all of that here <laughs> later on. But uh, Patrice, you, you know, you begin your book talking about the collapse of your mm -hmm. real estate business back in 07. Even before we get to that, you know, that means you got into real estate really early in life. What got you interested in real estate in the first place? And uh, yeah, like how did you actually get started? So my freshman year in college, my brother, my older brother had a good friend that was in real estate, a real estate broker. And I knew when I got into college that I would go to the business school and I knew I wanted to emphasize in entrepreneurial studies, but I had no idea doing what. <laughs> like I, I didn't have a vision for what. I just knew I wanted to own my time. And so I was introduced to real estate at 18 and then decided at 19 that I would get my real estate salesperson's license. And I started to show homes and, and do real estate during my sophomore year at the University of Southern California. And I really just enjoyed the flexibility once I started to understand more about it and especially coming up as a young Belizean American girl grew up in an apartment in South Central Los Angeles, there was this strong need for ownership. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to understand um, more about it. And so I became fascinated with real estate and personal finance. And during my senior year project, uh, it was supposed to be a project, I turned it into a real business, I went after my broker's license, which in California, when you were a broker, at that time, you could be a real estate and mortgage broker and launched my first real estate company during senior year in college. And you started to buy rental properties too, right? Is that what that was part of you know, building up a real estate portfolio? I did. My now husband, then he was just a guy that liked me a lot. He was persistent <laughs> though. Um, but he was really into business as well. And so we combined forces and started to buy investment properties. And so when you get to 2007, which is what I'm talking about in the book, when the real estate market began to crash, at that time, we owned 13 pieces of property between the two of us. And in 2007, for those of you that remember, the, the recession was just kind of rearing its ugly head. It was just mm -hmm. the beginning. And I had this business that I had grown by that time to a seven-figure real estate empire between the deals we were closing, but also the passive income coming in from the properties. And I had 16 loan officers and real estate agents that worked in the company. And you guys, I thought that I was set. 
<laughs> like I was like, this will go on forever. I have hit the jackpot here and loving life, traveling, uh, eating good, as they say, and doing all the things that I wanted to do until the day that I took a fall down the stairs while I was 20 weeks pregnant. Mm. And that fall down the stairs led me to the emergency room. And when I got there, they said, ma'am, I'm sorry, this baby is coming any minute now. I was only 20 weeks pregnant. Mm. And I did the only thing that I knew, and you guys are dads, so you know, right? I did the only thing that I could do at that moment, which for me was pray and ask other people, you know, to pray for us. And what was supposed to be this baby is coming any minute now actually turned into a lengthy hospital stay. And while I was in the hospital, on bed rest, not able to move for myself, right? Always needing assistance. They didn't want me to get up. They wanted the baby to bake as long as possible. I was watching the news every day. And if you remember that time, the news stories every day were about banks closing down. Yeah. One by one, one by one. And I remember about five weeks into this hospital stay, my doctor, Dr. Lee, came in my room and she said, Patrice, I don't know what you're stressing about, but we're monitoring the baby with that belt that's around your waist. And all I can tell you is that if you don't stop stressing, you're going to leave here two years in a row with no baby. Because the year before, I had actually lost my son. Same hospital, same doctor, same floor. Mm -hmm. He was born prematurely. And he passed after five hours. And she said, if you don't stop stressing, you're going to leave here two years in a row, no baby. And I had a decision to make. Do I keep letting myself be overwhelmed and consumed with all these things that are beyond my control, things that I cannot fix, that I cannot change? Or do I surrender and say, look, if you did it before, maybe you'll be able to do it again. But right now you have to focus on the well-being of this child. And I just was determined to surrender and just control what I could control in that moment, which was doing my part to stay as calm as possible so that my daughter could bake as long as she could. And so I ended up having my daughter, Reagan, um, after 10 weeks in the hospital. She was born at 30 weeks in a few days, 10 weeks early, but she was healthy. And she went into the NICU for 21 days. And by the time she got out between what I found is that I was leaving the hospital with this healthy baby that I had prayed for and did everything that I could do to keep her safe, as safe as I could during that time. But I left with a healthy baby and also a healthy amount of medical debt. Because what I didn't know is while I was in the hospital, my insurance had dropped me. Yeesh. And so, you know, I didn't realize it until you get home and open <laughs> the two months worth of mail yeah, um, and yeah. you start reading. And so I left with almost $400,000 in medical debt. Holy wow. cow. No deals had been closing. My, my loan officers and real estate agents had, you know, their deals fell through left and right because the banks that we worked with most often were freezing um, loan processing and not doing anything. And it was a nightmare at the same time. Many of my tenants and some of my properties had lost their jobs and they were not paying rent and they were parents, many of them. And so here I am, you know, a new mother in the mindset that, oh, my gosh, I can't put a single mother out. I can't evict this lady like Mm. she's been a great tenant for two years, you know. And so I wasn't even I didn't have the capacity to try to make, quote unquote, logical decisions. Everything was so emotional. 
And that's, you know, one of the things I try to get people to understand is money is a very emotional topic. It's not always about what's logical. Yeah, true. And, you know, within about less than a year or so, we pretty much had exhausted all of our savings. And I went from that seven figure business, you guys, to literally scraping up change and applying for welfare. That's that's got to be yeah so hard emotionally like you said the emotional component of money is often far more important <laughs> to mm -hmm. how to how we react than knowing the nuts and bolts and uh, Patrice the the situation you found yourself in would cause I think a lot of people to freak out but I feel like you took the introspective route you dug a little bit deeper how were you able to bounce back from such a severe you know monetary and emotional situation. So I want to be clear. I freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, I did freak out. Before, before I got to all the deep stuff, I did freak out because here I am. I've gone to a great college. I graduate with honors. I launched this business. And for me, I'm the one that made it. And so, you know, I'm the person that so many people in my friend groups and my family came to for support. Mm -hmm. And here I am with no answers, with all this debt running from creditors, voluntarily um, having my car repossessed, right? I'm like, no, you know, calling the car company like, hey, do you want to come get this? And they're like, no, we just want your payment. I'm like, maybe you don't understand <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Payment's not coming, right? Yeah, like, how do I go from living that life, you know, where I had all the things and all the trappings of success to being in a place where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? I can't, as they say, rob Peter to pay Paul anymore. I'm shifting and trying to create payment arrangements and just the stress of it all. It was a nightmare. Guys, there were nights that I could not sleep. And I remember being so upset. I would look at my husband and I'm like, is he in a deep sleep? Does he have the nerve to be in a deep sleep? Right? Right? <laughs> oh, he you... better not be hitting REM sleep. I'm going to wake him up. What are you doing sleeping <laughs> right? over there while I'm up stressing about this? I'm, I'm stressing like, what are you doing sleeping, you know? But there was one day that I will never forget. I call it the defining moment. And it was the day that I was tired of trying to save face. I was trying, tired of being the positive person right that's like we'll figure it out we'll make it happen you know this too shall pass like all of my um little cliches had run out my husband left with my daughter um and i remember being in the bathroom which i considered my safe space at that time this teeny tiny bathroom because what i didn't share is our home foreclosed in southern california and we found ourselves selling everything we could on craigslist in a weekend and moving to metairie Louisiana or fleeing. I should say fleeing because right. moving sounds nice. Fleeing to Metairie, <laughs> Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. And we lived in this 600 square foot box of an apartment after having lived in a 6,000 square foot home in Southern California. Wow. And I'm in this teeny tiny bathroom that I have made my sacred space. And I'm looking in the mirror and I just start saying, why? Like, why? How did I get here? Like, what's wrong with me? What did I do? I was in complete beat up. I was crying and tears were rolling and I just kept saying, God, why me? Why me? What did I do? And then tears just turned into bawling and then it turned into that snotty, ugly cry. Have you guys ever had an <laughs> ugly cry? Oh yeah, I've been there. <laughs> oh, the ugly cry where you don't even recognize yourself. Happens to myself. Matt twice a day. I've seen that. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Just before I log into emails, I, I got to get it out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> it was that ugly cry that literally brought me to my knees. 
and I I felt this nudge to get my Bible and there's a scripture that I read there and I always tell people doesn't matter what your faith is if you just think this is a great quote take it as a quote it said what good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom and I really pondered that for some reason it really just hit me I knew I read it before but it was different in that moment and I'm like but I'm smart but I was an honor student, but I passed the broker's exam on the first try. <laughs> like this doesn't really apply. I know I'm not a fool. And I started to look up the difference between knowledge and wisdom though. And what I realized is that I had a lot of book smarts. I had a lot of information and education, but wisdom is knowing how and when to apply it. And for all we had been through over that last year, the thing that I had to come to grips with is that I never did ask for help. And that's what a lot of us do when we're having struggles with money. Yeah. It's such a taboo thing, right? Where we're ashamed or embarrassed or we have guilt around it and we don't ask for help. I know that there were people who probably could have given us wise counsel throughout that mm. time. I emotionally couldn't make the decision to maybe evict a tenant, but had I sought out a mentor or someone, and I didn't know people, but they didn't really know what we were going through. Right. Had I said something, could I have made wise decisions about what we were doing sooner, quicker, faster, instead of reacting, you know, just day by day to whatever happened. And so I wish I didn't just freak out, but I did. But that moment is what brought me into, you know, I think the, the, the upswing here, which right. was, first of all, ask for help. I didn't grow up learning how to ask for help. I, you know, I'm, I'm Caribbean, you know, <laughs> Caribbean kids are like taught to figure it out. Like, I don't know how to do it. Figure it out. I was taught to, told to figure everything out. So I never built the muscle of knowing how to ask for help and seek out, you know, mentorship or guidance. But when I had that moment and that revelation, that was the beginning of something new. And so I've made that happened March 9, 2009. I'll never forget it. And that was the beginning of me saying, I know that so many of my friends and peers and other people have been taught this thing that if you go to school, get good grades, you know, get a good job, make some money, you should be fine. Um, but that is really an emphasis on education. It's not so much an emphasis on wisdom. And I wanted to use my story and what I was going through to help other people. And I decided the next day I was going to start a blog spot. Dot com. It's so ugly, you guys. It's still up to this day. <laughs> but, but it was the genesis. It was the beginning of everything. And Everybody e was blogspotting back then. I mean, oh, that, was, yeah. that was the thing to do. It was the blogspot. Or Zanga. To be honest, I didn't even know what a blog was probably three weeks before that. The thing I had to tell myself, even though I was in one of the lowest places of my life, is that I lost all my money, but my mind wasn't bad. Hmm. I still knew what I knew. And I knew enough to help other people. So I was in the worst of it. I was getting eviction notices. I had gone to the, the welfare office and cried my eyes out to uh, this woman. I was applying for um, EBT for food stamps and having a full breakdown, you know, with this woman's right. desk. She's like, I just asked you your address. Why are you <laughs> like crying, right? Um, I was going through all those things, but my first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton, taught me that when you know something, it's your responsibility to teach others. And that had been like one of my life mantras up until that point anyway, that when I knew something, I had to share it. Yeah. And that, that whole moment on the bathroom floor and having that revelation 
is why I'm here 12 years later doing the work that I do. That's right. Well, yeah. So March 9th, I mean, that was the beginning of your, basically your journey towards wisdom, not just, you know, not just book smarts like you talked about, but wisdom, especially with how you handle your money. I mean, that's why we, we wanted to have you on the show too. You have such incredible perspective. Uh, I mean, you've, you've looked at money from many different angles and a lot yeah. of folks, they kind of live their life and, you know, a lot of folks are lucky enough to kind of see a steady upward trajectory. They, they've never seen both sides of the coin and you definitely have. And so you're discussing how you started to see money differently, which kind of gets us to to you, right? <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. redefining wealth. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's the name of your podcast. It's, you know, it's what you write about in your newest book. Like, what are you trying to change about the way that people currently define uh, and how it is that they discuss wealth? Yeah, that, that journey from the bathroom floor, not only was I looking at the difference between knowledge and wisdom, I started to really yearn to understand more concepts, like more things that I felt like maybe I'm taking it for granted and I'm using words interchangeably and not understanding like what they were intended to be, right? And wealth was one of those things. I always thought of wealth as money and material possessions because nowadays when we, you know, do a Google search on it or we check the dictionary, that's probably the first thing that you're going to see. But as you start to dig deeper, what I found that was that the true definition of wealth was the condition of well-being and happiness. And mm. I was like, wait, that doesn't say luxury car? <laughs> wait a minute. That doesn't Riches, say big that's not house? At all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't say, you know, great vacations and first class trip. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And it was that condition of well-being that really stuck with me. And so, you know, people see me on the shows that you mentioned, on the Steve Harvey show or Dr. Oz and this and that. And then they hear me talk about how after that time, when I got up off the bathroom floor, I ended up living on my brother's couch in Atlanta. And they go, well, how did you go from your brother's couch to Dr. Oz's couch? What's the, what's the thing there? And I tell folks, it wasn't because I looked at my budget every day, all day. It wasn't because I checked my credit report every day. You know, I really believe that my life has been rebuilt. My life, my career, my finances, my faith, all those things have been rebuilt because I started to focus more on well-being. And being well in these areas of life that impact finances, even if it's not directly connected. Yeah. And I think that's the missing piece, right? So for people who are frustrated with their finances, it becomes this relentless pursuit and in this this insatiable idea that like I have to work harder, I have to invest more, I have to understand real estate, I have to understand stocks. Like like they just keep feeling like something's wrong with them. And I want to submit to the audience that maybe you're just focused on the wrong things. <laughs> because if your mind is cluttered in some of the areas that we talk about in the book, it's going to be very hard to focus on the few things that you need to do in your finances to truly build the financial wealth. But if you're having blocks in other areas, it's always going to prevent you from just doing what you know to do. Yeah, I, I love that you've taken on kind of a new definition of wealth that actually is is actually uh, it's just like a much more accurate and uh, better representation of what real wealth, real happiness looks like. And you talk about the six pillars of, of wealth in yeah. your new book. Yeah, and let's get to um, those specific pillars and how those affect our overall well being. And we'll get to some of those questions right after this break. Mm -hmm. 
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. (music) 
All right, we are back from the break, and we're talking with Patrice Washington about redefining wealth and overcoming money struggles. Uh, and Patrice, let's, let's talk about your, your new book coming out here, March 15th. Uh, within your book, you talk about the six pillars of wealth. You know, we mentioned that here before the break. And the reason that you have so many pillars in there is, like, you know, basically what you're saying is that it is so incredibly holistic, you know, mm-hmm. y- your approach towards money. It's a part of why money is pretty far down that list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you, can you share with our listeners what the other pillars are? Uh, and then specifically, too, how is it that you decided that those were the six that you needed to focus on in order to truly create wealth? So it's interesting. I didn't call these things the six pillars of wealth until after the fact, like after years of doing them. And when I launched my podcast, Redefining Wealth, you know, and when I launched that whole that whole brand, what I wanted to do was finally peel back the layers and open myself up to truly share what I had been doing. I was sharing publicly all of the things we're used to hearing about with personal finance, but privately behind the scenes, I was doing all this other work. Hmm. And when I looked at some friends and acquaintances and people I knew who had also lost everything in the recession and were still struggling several years later, but they were talking about some of the same things, the budgeting and credit, and I'm focused on this and I'm focused on that. And I was going, man, I've really just been focused on some other stuff. Maybe I should share that. And hmm. so I took a look back at my life for you know, the seven years before I introduced these pillars and started to just categorize the, the habits, the behaviors, um, the limiting beliefs that I had to eliminate, like all these things. And that was how the pillars were born. And so the first pillar is fit and it's about becoming your best self. And Matt and Joel, I can tell you hands down, when people hear me say fit, if I can see them back when I was out speaking uh, pre-COVID, <laughs> you would see the bro, their brows furrow. You would see people get really annoyed and agitated. And they're like, she's going to talk about going to the gym. Yep. It's like, okay, I'm going to mention that. But there's a bigger picture here. What I learned is that if I did not take care of my mental and physical fitness, my mental and physical well-being, there would be no way to actually go out and pursue those things that would help me rebuild my wealth. What do I mean by that? If it For women in particular who are listening, and your wives may concur, that we are so good about making sure that you guys get it together, <laughs> like <laughs> that the kids are taken care of, um, that if they have the sniffles, it's immediately addressed that, you know, anytime something is wrong with people we love, we jump on it. But whenever something is wrong physically with us, we ignore it or we prolong it and we put ourselves at the bottom of the list. And so here I was saying, Oh my gosh, I want to, I want my territory to be enlarged. I want to speak all over the country. I want, you know, I'm starting to create these goals. I'm getting in the blogging, right? And I'm, I'm starting to get recognized for it. And I have all these lofty ambitions, but I couldn't even breathe walking around my apartment. Hmm. I was ignoring the fact that I was short of breath, that I was always fatigued and I made it like no big deal. I brushed it off because I am now in the land of social media where everyone is on their hustle and grind. And it is so noble (laughs) to be up at 3 a.m. on your grind. And it is like a badge of honor 
to compare how tired you are with others, right? If someone's like, oh my gosh, I got no sleep. You're like, I haven't slept in days. I've been working on my launch, <laughs> right? And so I got into that and I found myself again in the emergency room because I have food poisoning. But once they started to run tests, what the doctor came back and said is like, you know, you got more problems than food poisoning. I'm like, hey, sir, that's, <laughs> you're being rude. <laughs> like, I know I have problems. <laughs> He's like, your blood clamp is really low. Like you are, um, your iron is severely like low. Like your hemoglobin levels for a woman of childbearing age should be 12 and up. You're running at under five. Hmm. You're running on fumes. And that didn't just start. You had to have been doing this for a long time. He said, did you ignore the symptoms? I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, what are the symptoms? What symptoms, right? <laughs> Fatigue. Well, yeah, everyone's tired. I'm on my hustle and grind, right? Shortness of breath. Oh, that's why I have to take a break walking up two flights of stairs. Here I was pushing myself harder to go to the gym <laughs> and to work out more because I'm like, you got to pull it together. But the truth was I had been ignoring the signs. What good is wealth? What good is money, right? Or financial wealth if you're not even here to enjoy it? Yep. But so many of us are working ourselves into the ground so that we can enjoy some retirement 10, 20, 30 years from now, but we're not honoring the only vessel we get to execute that vision. That's a problem. Yeah. And that is, when we say health is wealth, we make it this like, oh, health is wealth. No, no, really. <laughs> like either take care of yourself now or you're going to pay, like you're going to pay for it now or pay for it later. I, I love too how you you touched not just on physical fitness, but also yes. mental fitness. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the cool rules that you mentioned in your book is the 98-2 rule and how that can set you up for success. And you actually talk about how your husband is a perfect example of this. What is that rule? And then how have you seen it at work? So the 98-2 um, rule was actually something I got from a good friend of ours, Kelly Cardenas. And when he was on the podcast, he talked about this philosophy that his dad taught him. And it was that life is basically 98% your attitude and only 2% aptitude. And I really believe this, right? That if we live by this 98-2 rule that it's all attitude, like the attitude that we bring to anything. I tell the ladies in my program, your attitude towards this process is gonna determine your success. Mm. So, the other part of this and understanding that it's always mindset is just to know that if you come at life with this, oh, I've had financial failure, I've had challenges, I've had difficulties, this I'm not smart enough, I'm not a money person, that's going to be the experience. It's not so much the aptitude. And a lot of people don't do well with finances. And I'm sure you guys have heard this. You probably get it from your listeners. I'm a creative person. I'm not a money person. Well, if that's the mindset and the attitude that you're moving with, you're always going to have a problem, right? You're okay. always going to stay away from doing those things that will actually help you build wealth. It's not that people who are doing well or decently with money are so much smarter than you. They've just taken on a different attitude that they won't allow what they know or, or don't know to limit what they can achieve or yeah, receive. That's right.
Yeah. Attitude. Yeah. So important. So yeah, you're talking about fitness, physical fitness. You're talking about mental fitness. I love how in the book too, you call it protecting the vessel, right? Because yeah. it's so important for us to maintain, you know, our bodies, our lives, our, our, our mental state in order to do the other things that are important to us. But uh, the, the next pillar that you mentioned too is people, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like in our world today, it's easier than ever to distance and, and isolate ourselves uh, as more individuals are, are able to work and make a living, you know, without directly interacting with others right like i'm thinking about it's an even introvert's just the, dream yes. yeah yeah <laughs> i'm thinking about like the gig economy yeah. um but so why in your opinion do you feel that people are so important yeah the people pillar is about creating relationships that matter and for years now people have asked me how did i get certain opportunities how did you whatever it is right how have you done these things and i always tell them it's not really about pitching it's never really been about the perfect pitch. It's been about attracting opportunities because of how I show up, right? I'm kind and pleasant, whether you're the CEO or the janitor, it doesn't matter. There's something I feel that I can learn from any and everyone that I come into contact with. I learn from my 13 year old daughter every day, right? That's, Mm. I told you guys before we started, she's definitely 13 going on 39, like, right? (laughs) So I'm always learning, but I, I believe that even when we have to have difficult conversations, there's a way to leave people with their dignity intact so that the relationship might be untied, but you're not burning a bridge because even though it seems like we're all isolated and doing our own thing, we're also more connected than ever. And you never know who knows who, right? That's true, yeah. And, and we, we've talked about six degrees of separation, but I don't <laughs> think we take it seriously. And I really think that now we're down to like one degree. For most people, if you talk long enough, you're gonna go, oh, that's also my Instagram friend, right? right. Like there's some way. And what I've seen over the years is that people will dismiss and disregard folks that they don't think can do something for them. And I want to submit to you that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. But how are they watching you show up? Right. Do you yep. engage? Do you serve? Do you offer value? I've got friends show with up? friends with podcasts and and they've got a few hundred downloads like every episode and so I think sometimes they hold themselves up to this impossible standard like man, I I'm not getting, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of downloads a month i'm getting i'm getting you know 900 um, and i i just like to encourage them if if that many people showed up to listen to you talk in a physical room yes. you would show up in a heartbeat you have to those are real people they're not numbers on a page and i think yeah i love your mission to like uh to basically not just get from other people but contribute to other people yes. like that's a huge part of your mission i love that give 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 and give some more I remember when people would say, oh, my gosh, um, their whole marketing plan was to meet Oprah. I'm going to go on the Oprah Winfrey show. Right. It was like if if it works, it's a great plan. (laughs) (laughs) Like if it works. But I'm like, how many clients? Right. How many how many clients? How many peers? How many people who were in arm's length reached to you? Did you dismiss for this dream to get to Oprah? If it works for you, look, I'm waiting to be discovered by Oprah too. But in the meantime, I'm going to do what I need to do to serve those in my sphere of influence. And that has been really a secret. I just really focus on treating people well and showing up and supporting other people. 
And the other piece of that is not just your professional relationships, but even personal. One of the reasons that I think so many of us carry around, I don't know if dad guilt is a thing because I heard that there's a guilt gender gap, but (laughs) mom (laughs) guilt is a thing, you know, for many of us. And, you know, as women in general, we kind of will walk around and feel guilty for all kinds of things is perceived guilt, not even for real things, but one of the ways that I've been able to overcome that is that when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. And the other part about creating relationships that matter is understanding that when we're present while in the presence of the people we say we love and we give them attention, like not scrolling through Instagram while our kids are trying to tell us a story. Hi, I learned from that lesson, (laughs) raising my hand. If we learn to put the phone away when we're at dinner, if we learn to give our significant other people we love undivided attention, like while we're in those um, intimate spaces, the more we're able to do that, the more confidently we can go out and serve in our professional lives because in the back of our heads, we don't have this nagging idea that something is wrong at home. And that does impact your ability to show up and be focused on the things that you need to do if secretly you feel like, well, I've been a public success, but a private failure. Hmm. Patrice, you know, one of the other pillars here, too, I wanted to, to touch on re- real quickly before the break. You talked about, I mean, space. Space is one of them, right? And and so you're, you know, you're really into decluttering. You kind of, you touched on that <laughs> earlier in the episode. There's obvious benefits to decluttering, right? Like, just like you said, the ability to focus on the task at hand, what it is that you need to get done. But you, you also talked about within your, your space section of your book, you were talking about time. Uh, and, you, you know, you also recommend for folks to calendar everything. And I was actually, I'm really excited to talk to you about this because I've really thrown myself into getting things on the calendar that I want to, to see done. Because I've seen that if I put it on the calendar, I will actually do it. Uh, and so can you, and if you don't, you won't. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious to hear you talk about that more. Can you share how time and money are so similar? Yeah. I think one thing we need to recognize is that we will say things like time is money, but we don't realize how much time we waste every day looking for things. Many of us are looking for things we own, but can never find. There's like a statistic that says the average person spends, I think it's 72 or 76 hours a year looking for things they already own, but can never find. <laughs> and so, Car keys, cell phone, that's so, the case in our house sometimes. All yeah. the time, right? And now that we do so much digitally, even how we organize things in our digital lives, we'll save it one way one week and save it another way a different week. And so we're always looking for things. We're always wasting so much time. And one of the things that has helped me is I organize my calendar based on the pillars because I believe that if we're saying that these things matter to us, then we should make time for it, not look for time. We should organize our lives down to the pillar and put everything that we need. And people are like, oh my gosh, that's so tedious. But if I'm saying time is money, if I have a plan for my day, if I have a plan for my week, for my month, then I'm saving time and therefore maximizing my ability to get to the money that I say I want. Mm. And if you're spending hours a day, right, because you're not setting up your life to support you, then you're you're definitely wasting time. You're frustrating yourself. You're cluttering your mind and you're impeding your ability to get to wealth sooner. Yeah. And one of the things, too, I mean, you mentioned this in the book, but you specifically related money and time uh, in the, in, the, and in the same sense that we budget our money. We essentially plan our time using the calendar and and you you kind of equated the calendar as like a budget <laughs> for our time. And I thought that was so brilliant. Yeah. 
you know, you start to realize that a, many times guys will block the day for something that really only needed 90 minutes. Right. Mm. When you start to get really granular with this, sometimes my assistant will put something on my calendar, you know, for an hour and I'll change it to 15 minutes because, you know, that's not a wise use of my time budget. Right. right? Like yeah. in the time we give ourselves, it's like Parkinson's law. You know, the time you give yourself to complete a task is the time it will take. And so if you give yourself two hours, but if you're real with yourself, if you were focused, right, and had your life set up to support you and you didn't have to look around for everything, right, then you would be able to maximize that time so much more and really get down to the nitty gritty. And that's why, you know, I teach this course called Results Not Resolutions. And, and what I say is I can get more done in 90 days than the average person can get done in a year because most people are setting a, a resolution. I will lose 10 pounds this year. I mean, really, does it take 12 months to lose <laughs> 10 pounds? Or if you set your life up to support you and got disciplined and granular with how you were utilizing the time necessary for that, is that something you could hit in 30 days? Yeah, no, you're right. All right, well, hey, Patrice, we got just a couple more questions we want to get to with you, and we'll get to those right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. 
and you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours. But it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything, too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back from the break talking with Patrice Washington. And uh, Patrice, a couple of the other pillars that we haven't touched on faith work, money. Uh, again, you know, we were kind of joking about how <laughs> you saved money for the very end of your book. And I don't, I'm not even actually sure if we're going to get to money <laughs> during this episode. Uh, that was intentional. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and you talk about this in the book and we talk about this on the show, but so much of personal financial knowledge and the practices, it's, I mean, it's the nuts and bolts. It's, it's yeah. not mind blowingly hard. It's all the other things that go into making sure that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one dude, I think one time put all the must know personal finance stuff on one index card, right? And that <laughs> like right. went viral because it was like, oh yeah, I guess there's really not all that much you actually need to know. So true. And and there's just so many other aspects <laughs> which you tackle in your book that are just as important to how we live our lives and handle our money. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But, so you mentioned your faith, like that's an, an incredibly important part of your life. Uh, but you mentioned something under the work pillar, uh, and you were talking about the difference between giftings and passions. You know, you make a good argument for why they are different. Uh, yeah. Can you make kind of make that argument here? Yeah. You know, I got tired of hearing people say, follow your passion and the money will come. We've all heard it. And there's a lot of people who are living by that. But the truth is, sometimes you can be passionate about things that you're not gifted in, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're not skilled in. And so my example is I'm passionate about singing. If you come to my house, you can hear me belting out tunes in the shower on any given morning or evening. Here's the truth. No one will ever pay me to sing, right? Passion is about what energizes you, what excites you, what makes you happy. It really doesn't turn into purpose until it can serve others. Hmm. That's the truth. And sometimes we need to allow ourselves to get passionate about things that we are actually gifted in. Because I believe that 
each and every one of us was born with a, a gift of some kind, a talent, a skill that we were given freely, that it was a gift. <laughs> like We didn't do anything in particular to earn it. I didn't I didn't get Whitney Houston's vocal cords, right? It just, she got them freely. Here I am in the shower, not my ministry, not my thing, right? So it would make no sense for me to pursue that and use so much time, energy, resources to keep trying to force this thing that is not in alignment with what I'm gifted at. And I think that we need to start to have honest conversations about this because we've all seen American Idol, right? We've all seen the shows where when they do the um, the, the outtakes, the people who didn't make it, and you're like, what possessed them to stand in line for two days for this opportunity that they were, were they not equipped for? or what? Right? Like, are you Someone hearing what we're hearing? needed to have an honest conversation with them. And right. That's, that's why that's so important. That's why, you know, why you mentioned that. And like you said, I, I think it is so important, especially too for, for, I think, the younger generation. They need to be maybe be steered slightly more in the direction of, it's not, like you said, it's not just about your passions. It's about your giftings. Like, what is it that you are actually going to be able to pursue uh, that's going to be something that moves the needle in a way that helps other people and that you're able to make a living? And and I think that we saw that this past year, right, where so many of us, our lives were disrupted and turned upside down. And for the first time, people are going, well, what can I do? Not for the first time, but, you know, since the last recession where everything was uprooted abruptly. And now you're going, well, what do I have? that I can use, like we're very, I think we're blessed to live in the era of the gig economy where you can take things that you're naturally good at or have some background in and create money. But there's so many people who dismiss and deny and ignore the things that come to them easily. And so, you know, the, the subtitle of the book is how to stop chasing money and live your life's purpose. And I really believe that when we're more clear about our purpose, we can set the priorities right for ourselves. So we're not just making financial decisions on a whim. We're actually able to focus and do the things on that index card that you talked yeah. about, right? Because now it's not about trying to fill the void, the void that's created when we're doing work that's out of alignment, right? When we're like going to work, punching the air. As they say, like, or we're sitting in our car before we go in going, if someone says something to me today that is out of line, I'm going to snap, right? <laughs> well, maybe you're using the right gift, but you're in the wrong place. And maybe the truth is you need to realign your career aspirations to be more in alignment with who you really are, not who your parents thought you should be not just what puts food on the table, but who are you really? Because when we keep trying to force ourselves to stay in these places, and I'm not saying I went through season, you know, I went through the season where I had to take odd jobs to do what I needed to do, right? I had a child, I had rent, I had these responsibilities, all my payment plans, right? I took jobs that were not necessarily in alignment with what I saw for myself, but I didn't go and park there, right? I didn't just right. live there. I knew there was a means to an end, but sometimes when we're not this deliberate or intentional about choosing things that are in alignment with our purpose, we go someplace that was meant to be a temporary job and we stay for a decade. And then mm. we try to soothe ourselves by buying a bigger house, getting another car, you know, expensive jewelry, the vacations, emotional spending, 
now we're doing all these things to fill the void when really if we just shifted what we were doing day in and day out, that void could be filled and we wouldn't need to window shop or, <laughs> you know, shop online as much as we do. Yeah. All right. So I feel like we've been remiss to not mention money much at all in this episode, <laughs> but but uh, we've talked about so much more than that. We've talked about redefining wealth and what uh, it looks like to be truly wealthy as a person. And Patrice, I so appreciate your insight. But I do want to ask you, you mentioned your daughter earlier on in this episode. And uh, I, I read or I think I saw you you say at one point that you make it a point to include your daughter in big time family money decisions. Uh-huh. And so many people leave their kids, uh, so many couples leave their kid out of any sort of major financial discussion. It's like, go to bed or go watch TV while uh-huh. while you know your mom and I or your dad and I make, make this decision. And, and uh, I love that you include her. Why is that so important to you? And how do you bring her into those family talks? It's important to us because we want her to learn from our mistakes as much as she learns from the things that we did well. That, you know, we we don't always get it right. And that's okay because I don't ever want her to have shame or fear or guilt or embarrassment around, you know, making a bad choice. And so we like for her to see things play out from beginning to end. When we were moving back from California to Georgia, we involved her in the in the conversation. We involved her in why we were downsizing. Um, anyone in California knows what I'm saying. You can, you know, pay a million dollars and live in a shack there. Very easy to do. And when my husband um, was no longer in the entertainment industry, it didn't make sense for us to give California all of our money. Um, and so <laughs> we downsized. And... This is in 2018. We downsized and we talked to her about why. We talked to her about the plan. We showed her what, you know, a certain dollar amount gets you in California versus what that can get you wow. in Georgia. We hmm. talked to her about state tax rates and we because it was going to be emotional to leave her friends, right? No kid wants to leave their friends and but we wanted her to see the bigger picture and we wanted her to not just have this memory of like, yeah, we randomly moved into a smaller apartment for a year. I don't know what that was about. No, we want her to have an example of what we did and why, so that when she's older, when she finds herself in these different predicaments that life will bring, that she can calmly take a step back and perhaps remove some of the emotion Unlike what we did, <laughs> she can perhaps remove some of the emotion and look at the bigger picture and what the payoff is in the end. And hiding it from her would do her a disservice. Our kids are only kids for such a short time. If we don't get bold and radical about having these conversations, what we create are generational cycles of money troubles. Mm. And we wanted that cycle to end with us. Yeah, it's all about educating them and making sure that they don't repeat those same mistakes that you make. I, I think that's that's so great, Patrice. Man, this has been such a, an awesome conversation. We really, again, we appreciate your perspective, the knowledge and the experience that you've been able to bring this conversation. Uh, your book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, is going to be coming out here in a couple of weeks. Where can folks find your book as well as learn more about you? Sure. Well, you can definitely uh, pre-order the book now on Amazon, but you can find out more about me and all things Patrice Washington at patricewashington.com. Awesome. Patrice, you're the best. Thanks again for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
Joel, we just had an awesome conversation here with Patrice Washington. Uh, I feel like I feel like we really got to know her. Yeah, you know, like we kind of dove into her past. We heard her story. She shared a lot more about her her personal story and her struggles uh, than she even had in the book. So I'm glad that we got to have this conversation. What was your big takeaway from our conversation with her today? Well, yeah, she lives right up the road from us, like 45 minutes north in Alpharetta. Yeah, and you know what? If she drinks beer, we're going to get together for a beer one of those days because <laughs> she was super cool. I really appreciated her honesty and willing willingness to tell her story. Yeah. And I think my big takeaway was at one point telling her story, uh, and I basically insinuated that she didn't freak out. And she was like, oh, wait, no, no, I did freak out. <laughs> and I appreciated that, that, that she's willing to to say, I'm not Superwoman. I had freak out moments. And, and who's not going to have a freak out moment when you're going through a tough period like that? Right. And so, yeah, I just... Uh, Again, appreciate that honesty, and I think it just gives us all the ability to recognize we don't have to be superhuman when we're going through tough times. It's okay to freak out, and it's also okay to recognize that those things don't define you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think Patrice has been able to pivot incredibly well from a successful real estate career that, in large part, the way it blew up was not her fault, right? There were bigger economic factors at play in what happened to her business and what happened to her family, Um, but the fact that she didn't get discouraged completely... (laughs) And didn't wasn't down for the count. The fact that she was able to rebuild. I just want to give people the permission. Freak out for a minute, but then you know start plotting the way that you're going to come back. Yeah, I love how that was a turning point for her. How she was able to pivot and use that essentially as a springboard uh, in order to move forward with her life. Uh, my big takeaway for this episode is going to be the fact that we didn't even hardly talk about money. Right, like we joked early on how money was the sixth pillar. We didn't even touch uh, <laughs> on that one at all. Uh, and the whole reason is because that having healthy money habits it's essentially a byproduct of having a healthy life in regards to yourself, in regards to those around you, in in regards to your faith. There are so many things that lead to having wealth in our lives. And I feel like Patrice was able to define that well. And oftentimes it's not about money, right? Like money can't solve all problems. There are lots of other things that we need to make sure that we're focusing on. And so I appreciate how multifaceted this episode was and how we kind of dove into lots of different areas of our lives. Uh, And let's be honest, we talk about money day in and day out. And so it's good to kind of talk about uh, the whole self, the, the whole being, something that's a little more holistic as well. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. All right. Let's quickly mention the beer that we had on the show today. While we were talking with Patrice, we drank a beer called Waken Bake by Terrapin, a brewery out of Athens, um, Georgia. Matt, where you went to school. And That's this, right. this is kind of an OG stout. Oh, yeah. They've been making it for years, but we've never had it on the show before. What, what was your take on this one? That's right. Yeah, this is a coffee, oatmeal, imperial stout. And dude, it is super dark and super roasty as well. It's got a lot of flavor going on without uh, being too heavy. I feel like they were able to pack in all the flavors without this being a beer that I felt like I would need to share. Oftentimes, you and I will share a beer because we're like, ooh, that's kind of a big one to have in the middle of the day (laughs) (laughs) during a recording. But this is one where you and I each had our own, and I didn't feel like it was too much, you know? Yeah, we're all all about that quality, not the quantity, right? As long as we get a really, really good taste of something awesome, I don't necessarily need my whole can, right? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And they packed this one full of jittery joe's coffee as well so it's definitely had those coffee flavors going on oh man this was such intense coffee flavor i love it like we haven't had a coffee stout in way too long it just makes me realize right yeah but the coffee's intense and 
you know what? It's the right kind of intense for me. If I'm going to drink a coffee stout, like make sure it's packed full <laughs> to the brim of coffee. And they definitely did that on this one. Uh, it's definitely got some of those really bitter coffee notes. I'm a fan of a bitter stout, though. Mm-hmm. I don't like the overly sweet stuff. So uh, this one had the bitter coffee notes, and I dug it, man. I, I, I like Wake and Bake, and I've forgotten. It's been so many years that how good of a beer this is, and it was good to revisit it today. Yeah, it truly is one of those OG stouts. I feel like Terrapin, I mean, they've been on the scene for a while. They're out of Athens, but they, they make some really good beers. They've kind of fallen by, by the wayside a little bit because Creature Comforts, they showed up in Athens, stole the show, but Terrapin still makes really good beers. Check them out if you've never tried one before. So, Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, buddy. Listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. We'll make sure to include some of the different links to where you can buy Patrice's book and a link to her site as well. No doubt. All right, buddy. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's Upswell marketing.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one listen to a really good cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it's brand new season two I'm Marissa Thalberg and I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa and we're excited to be back having bigger bolder and always real conversations straight from the c-suite front lines of marketing media and more we have great friends joining from people you may know like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke and people you'll want to know so grab a coffee or hey even an Aperol spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network iHeart listen to brand new on the iHeart radio app Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts